we actively seek out sort of kind of unscalable things that'll work for a period of time. And and what I what I really what what excites me at times is just finding things that don't make sense on paper. Um, and we've done that countless times, even early on when we were trying to figure out like what are we doing with the platform. Even uh, we had a freemium version back then. Uh, and we'd offer free strategy sessions, like 45-minute calls, and they weren't sales calls or anything. And we sp- we had thousands of these. Um, and we ultimately didn't make any money off of it, so on paper it looked like a pretty dumb idea. Um, but we learned a lot about our user base. We learned a lot about sort of pain point opportunities and actually shifted kind of how we, we developed the platform and how we went to market. We didn't actually do anything. People told us they wanted, per se, um, but it was able to give us an insight. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaS Talk. I'm Irina Jambazova, and on this week's episode, Alex Thuma speaks with Jason Van de Boom, founder and CEO of Active Campaign, about all the unusual things he has done to reach 70 million in error and counting. A builder and a maker of things from an early age, young Jason thought that the best way to cater for that was to attend a fine arts school. That pursuit brought him to Chicago in the first place. However, to pay for art school, he started doing consulting on the side. He ended up packaging it into an on-premise solution when he didn't want to do consulting anymore. He sold that packaging for the good part of the following decade, abandoning the fine arts pursuit altogether and firmly establishing himself as a tech entrepreneur. In 2013, he began a transition into building a cloud-based customer experience automation platform that Active Campaign would become. By 2016, Jason was employing around 20 people and started growing the company. Three years later, the numbers speak for themselves. Headcount is nearing 550. The company has around 80,000 customers and is on a healthy growth trajectory, currently earning the 70 million in ARR. What is not so obvious is how Jason got there. Breaking a lot of hard SaaS rules and doing things that on paper made little sense in scaling, but in fact have contributed massively to the success of the company, has been in the heart of it. Listen on to here. An example of an unscalable tactic many would consider toxic to the bottom line. We use services in a weird way. So like, uh, it's usually like a toxic term in most software service businesses, like the idea of having any service element. Um, we don't make people pay for it, but so like when someone starts using the platform, if they're using a, a different platform, we'll help move all their data over for free. Um, and so we might spend 40 to 80 hours helping move something on an account that's maybe giving us $1,000 a year. So terrible idea on paper. Um, internally and externally, a lot of people have thought like we should try to charge for this. But what we found is like those accounts are very sticky. We can create advocacy with those accounts and you can start thinking about things like that almost as marketing costs. Active Campaign's unusual way of doing customer research. So we have a bunch of different ways where we bring NPS and other types of feedback to individual team members or teams throughout the company. And so that they don't end up with a report like once a month or once a quarter on kind of where things are at and where things are trending, but they're actually reading in to some of the actual content that's coming in uh, in a more granular way. If they can start getting that understanding of that person, of that individual, of kind of what they're going through, 
it allows for more engagement, allows for more authentic uh, want and desire to kind of solve for some of those pain points and opportunities. So we take it pretty granular, I'd say, far more on the kind of qualitative side um, than, than trying to solve it with um, Tulane. I think Tulane is just a, it's, it's our natural thing, especially in a software as a service company to go to. Uh, to try to solve everything, and there's there's something that you miss if you uh, over-air on that. How they broke the rules of user conferences. This idea of trying to find our own path, this idea of like trying to iterate on how you go to market and everything, uh, we sort of caught ourselves then and thought like, okay, like let's not just once again copy whatever we see everyone's doing, and let's just throw something crazy out there. And, and crazy idea for us was like 200, uh, small business events and purposely going after a lot of cities that are not necessarily the obvious cities to host an event in. Jason van der Boom is one of many excellent speakers we will host at SAS Talk 19 in Dublin this October. They will be sharing in the usual and not so often talked about ways to grow. We have over 160 speakers that will be split between five stages, including a podcast stage, where your favorite podcasts such as The Top, the Growth Marketing Podcast, Inside Intercom, SaaS Revolution Show, and others will be recording live episodes that you can listen in on. This is just one small part of what you get with your SaaS Talk ticket, so go ahead and grab one now at the best possible price. A link in show notes. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Jason Vanderboom, founder and CEO of Active Campaign. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me. Now, great to have you as a guest on the podcast, and, th- and this is a, a precursor to your appearance and speaking at uh, at SaaS Talk 19 in, in Dublin uh, this October for the first time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Should be good. Yeah, uh, awesome. Where, where are you? Uh, where are you calling from today? Where are you based? Uh, from Chicago today. So we're primarily headquartered in Chicago, um, but distributed kind of all over the place. Okay, awesome. And, and tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, and then uh, what about uh, then afterwards Active Campaign? You know, uh, why did you found it? What does it do? You know, some stats about the company. Sure. Yeah. No, I uh, I have a more of an engineering background from kind of a young age of just kind of wanting to build things and whatnot. Um, that evolved into ultimately wanting to go to fine art school. Uh, which led me to Chicago, um, and, and oddly enough, led me to starting an active campaign. I simply needed a way to pay for art school. I uh, was doing consulting at the time, decided I didn't really enjoy that so much, so, just, so decided to package it up as on-premise software. Spent a decade selling on-premise software tools to small businesses. Um, small, but really growing and sustainable business. And then ultimately, around 2013 to 2016, decided to switch over from kind of providing tools to providing a customer experience automation platform. Uh, and that's when a lot of our growth uh, has taken off. So we've gone from 20 people in 2016 uh, to about 550-ish or so today. Um, and we're helping you know, about 80,000 growing businesses today, which is really exciting. Awesome. That, that's uh, pretty great. Uh, rapid growth um, uh, over the last few, <laughs> yeah, a, a little under, understatement. Um, and uh, to, to fuel that rapid growth, have you, have you taken venture capital? Yeah, so it's interesting. We avoided it for a long time, and we ultimately did take capital in late 2016 after we already proved out a lot of acceleration. Um, we didn't really necessarily tap into it or, or really have to buy in 
a lot of our growth at that time. Um, so we've been still a very capital efficient company. I think finding that blend uh, worked really well for us. And um, in terms of, are you able to share, I mean, obviously like 500 employees, uh, are, are you able to share what sort of revenue uh, you're on at the moment? Yeah, over 75 million ARR is what I'd say, um, but growing healthily and we're actually accelerating our growth. So it's a, uh, it's a fun time. What's your goal, your three-year, 10-year plan for, for, for active campaign? It's all about impact and help, helping more and more growing businesses. So we do have a goal out there of helping a million small businesses, for instance. So like that is not necessarily just the platform we have today. Um, we also truly believe kind of the approach we're taking where it is automation first in terms of helping facilitate a customer experience. And we're allowing people to kind of bring the best in class tools together to build out their customer experience where we help kind of connect it together and bring intelligence on top of it. That's something that we want to spread all over the place and can help so many growing businesses. So I guess achieve like such great numbers as, as 75 million ARR and, you, you know, like 500 employees, you know, in, in such a short, short space of time with the, the number of customers that you have as well. Um, you know, we understand you, you've, you've broken a few uh, sort of, you know, rule books and, and, and playbooks, uh, best practice advice, you know, along the way and, and gone with what you've, you know, believed in. And, and you, you know, we want to kind of understand today uh, a little bit better about the these things uh, from your context and why you believe in making like, you know, bold decisions, I guess, that go against the current um, and, you know, tr- trusting your gut instincts, uh, you know, as, as well. So can you just like give us some insights into perhaps like, you know, why you may have, you know, gone against the current, why you perhaps haven't followed a, um, you, you know, a, a typical playbook as such? Yeah, I think it partially comes down to just like my personality. I, I like to try to find my own sort of way and path. Um, It's also, I I think just as you're kind of innovating upon a product or service, you have to do the same with how you scale a business. If you truly want to be differentiated, if you truly want to be having the greatest impact in a sustainable, uh, high growth manner, um, that's just what you have to do. So we actively seek out sort of kind of unscalable things that'll work for a period of time. And and what what I really... What, what excites me at times is just finding things that don't make sense on paper. Um, and we've done that countless times. Even early on when we were trying to figure out, like, what are we doing with the platform even? Uh, we had a freemium version back then, uh, and we'd offer free strategy sessions, like 45-minute calls, and they weren't sales calls or anything. And we sp- we had thousands of these. Um, and we ultimately didn't make any money off of it, so on paper it looked like a pretty dumb idea. Um, but we learned a lot about our user base. We learned a lot about sort of pain point opportunities and actually shifted kind of how we, we developed the platform and how we went to market. We didn't actually do anything. People told us they wanted, per se, um, but it was able to give us an insight. Any any other ideas of unscalable things that, that, that you would do? I, th- I think the, the unscalable thing, I've seen that, um, certainly vocalized from like David Cancel uh, at Drift as well and what he calls, I think, like hand-to-hand combat or something like that. Yeah, there's a bunch of other things like today, uh, like we, we use services in a weird way. So like uh, it's usually like a toxic term in most software service businesses, like the idea of having any service element. Um, and we don't make people pay for it. But so like when someone starts using the platform, if they're using a, a different platform, we'll help move all their data over for free. Um, and so we might spend 40 to 80 hours helping move something on an account that's maybe giving us $1,000 a year. So terrible idea on paper. 
Um, internally and externally, a lot of people have thought, like, we should try to charge for this. But what we found is, like, those accounts are very sticky. We can create advocacy with those accounts. And you can start thinking about things like that almost as marketing cost. Um, so I'd say that's another uh, another example of kind of what works. And then as we have them do that more and more, we build tooling to assist them, and it becomes easier. It becomes a little bit more scalable over time. Uh, and then they can go find something else uh, to sort of chip away at. Many companies, like they're aware of the importance of customer research. They're doing SaaS companies are doing, you know, NPS surveys. A lot, uh, a lot of the tools that that I use are doing NPS surveys on a kind of, you know, at least quarterly basis. I, I, I kind of feel. Um, you know, it could be more or, or less. Um, but as we understand the like active campaign, you know, always listening to the customers, um, you, you know, and and doing customer research, you know, on a on a you know on a on a almost sort of constant basis. So, um, why is that? And you know, how do you do that? What is your your your, your method of doing customer research? Yeah. So first off, I think NPS, like technically, the intention is really good. I. I, I I think it really like traps people though in an odd way because it's like trying to get your Tony or customer base into a number, trying to get into some tag category. It's ultimately trying to solve the customer experience from like a tool set mindset so that you can focus on other things, right? Um, so we take that a little bit differently. So like I, I have all NPS, all churn data kind of go to my inbox, um, which may not scale forever, um, but I enjoy it. So it's, it's, it's okay for now. Um, so I'm constantly, I may not know our NPS number, but I know the tone of the customer base and the direction in which it's heading. What's interesting there is that qualitative tone, like if you can find ways to surface it. So we have a bunch of different ways where we bring NPS and other types of feedback to individual team members or teams throughout the company. And so that they don't end up with a report like once a month or once a quarter on kind of where things are at and where things are trending, but they're actually reading in to some of the actual content that's coming in uh, in a more granular way, if they can start getting that understanding of that person, of that individual, of kind of what they're going through, um, it allows for more engagement, allows for more authentic uh, want and desire to kind of solve for some of those pain points and opportunities. So we take it pretty granular, I'd say, far more on the kind of qualitative side um, than than trying to solve it with um, tooling. I think tooling is just a... It's, it's our natural thing, especially in a software as a service company, to go to uh, to try to solve everything. And there's there's something that you miss if you uh, over-air on that. Who, uh, which t- do you have a specific sort of like team that, that's leading that? Um, you know, is it across sort of departments? Yeah. So we actually, um, we started doing it. I was just trying to like move everything around and whatnot. That didn't work very well. Um, ultimately, we started finding um, we needed the need for having essentially what we call a CX advocacy team, uh, not inside support, not inside success. So like they're outside any part of the organization, um, both helping facilitate some of this, uh, working with customers on feedback, um, and then also finding ways in which we can improve not just the product and platform, but also like how we're providing service throughout the company. So that's something that just started with one person. Um, but I like if, if I were to go back and, and if I were to start a company and that'd probably be in my first like 50 hires for sure. Another great way of getting feedback is, um, you know, from your customers in, in person and often at, at user conferences, right, is a great place where you get to meet all your customers, right? And uh, we see that it, it's a pretty commonplace trend now uh, amongst uh, SaaS companies that have got, um, you know, some great names actually like Pendemonium and Zoomtopia and uh, um, what, what, what not. Um, uh, but, um, you, you know, they often just do this one annual conference, you, you know, per year. 
Um, but I understand Active Campaign, you do around sort of like 200 plus uh, smaller sort of user conference, which is quite an undertaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Why, 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 why have you gone down that road rather than just doing one big annual, like, you know, Active Campaign a loser or whatever it, it might be called? Um, you, you know, and just doing these 200 um, plus uh, sort of events per year. Yeah, so this is one of those things that we started by looking at the market and seeing what everyone was doing, and we tried to do it. So we actually tried to do a user conference uh, a year or two ago, and it was great. We had customers come in all over the world, um, and then I started talking to more and more of them, and they were taking a flight to like Boston and then renting cars to drive to Chicago to save money. So then it's like, okay, like maybe we need to start getting a little bit closer to our customers and maybe so then we started thinking uh, everyone else seems to be doing maybe like a US one an APAC one or something so you so you get a little bit closer and you have maybe two user conferences um, or you do like workshops people do a dozen of those um, but that, that was like a moment like this idea of trying to find our own path this idea of like trying to iterate on how you go to market and everything uh, we sort of caught ourselves then and thought like okay like let's not just once again copy whatever we see everyone's doing and let's just throw something crazy out there and crazy idea for us was like 200 uh small business events and purposely going after a lot of cities that are not necessarily the obvious cities to host an event in um and initially like internally externally a lot of people internally were were fearful that we were just spending money on meeting a small number of customers in in, in some small locations but it's phenomenal, like, the impact that it's had. We can actually attribute uh, payback of a good chunk of the, the event cost within the first 90 days and the advocacy. And we're seeing, like, meetups form in these locales. Um, so this is something I'd actually double down on and say it's actually quite scalable. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're in cities every single week right now, continuing to get to that 200 for the year. Um, but I don't see ourselves slowing down anytime soon. No, that's that's super interesting, as you say. Like in terms of the payback, like within ninety days, because I mean, as far as as far as I know, and you know, from some of the um, the, the user conferences that I've attended, that you, you know, millions have been invested in these, and you know, they're, they're I think almost none of them, you know, break even, uh, and it is a marketing cost, right? Um, but uh, uh, interesting to see that you you know this this is getting payback, um, you know, for for you guys and uh, doing this model. Yeah, and I think it's something that, you know, if, if you really want to get close to your customers, if you really want to, uh, you know, engage with them, if you if your focus is on advocacy, it's, it's a really powerful method to do it. And you could probably do both. Like, there, you know, we've considered that as well. They, they serve slightly different purposes in my mind. Some companies, uh, and quite often, perhaps more, more than um, more than uh, I guess the less, uh, will, will swear by all all in one solutions, right? Uh, whilst um, you, on the other hand, are an advocate for stackable solutions. So, why is that? How has that helped you grow Active Campaign to where it is now? Yeah, it's interesting. I'd say we have a unique advantage of watching the market over the last 16 years. We've been running Active Campaign, especially small businesses. And we've noticed this trend over time of early on, small businesses wanted something simple. Uh, so the all-in-one was attractive from that idea. There's a single provider and whatnot. Over time, we're, we're seeing that level of maturity of a small business, even brand new small businesses, wanting to go into more specialty, wanting best-in-class tooling for the different pieces of their customer experience. And it's, it's phenomenal because it means you know growing businesses really care about providing a customer experience that is optimal for their actual consumers. 
Um, and I, I think if you even look at like, you know, everyone calls out like the chief Martech, like, uh, you know, 5,000 tools in the space or whatever. It's a clear signal that there's so many verticalized, so many specialty tools that, that work in, in unique ways. So from our vantage point, we don't want to be an okay version of each piece of the customer lifecycle. We want to be able to collect all that customer data, orchestrate the auto, uh, customer experience, allowing people to bring in tools, allowing people to maybe start with one tool, swap that out, and we can still help kind of facilitate the entire customer experience. And, and that's an approach that I'd say is, is probably not the most common approach. Um, it's, it seems easier for others to kind of just like buy a bunch of tools, you know, bolt them together and create some, some all-in-one of sorts. But I really think that is the future, and that's what we're seeing with growing businesses uh, of really wanting to have that unified but best-in-class experience. With the small businesses uh, you mentioned, I think they, they make up pretty much the, the majority of your uh, your customer base. Um, is, is that correct? And uh, um, we often you know, see, read, and, and hear at conferences, you know, a lot of content about well, the playbook to get to 100 million. Uh, you know, or, and become a unicorn is is that you need to move up market and start selling to the enterprise. So, like more often than not, that that's what we're what we're told. Um, but you're you're at seventy five million in ARR, and you're not chasing after the enterprise and not like looking at moving up market. You know, certainly uh, for, for the moment. Why why is that? Um, you you know, what instances do you, do you think it, it is actually more appropriate to to move up market? So for one, I love small businesses, so there's an element of that. Um, just always have kind of historically and whatnot. Um, in addition to that, I think if you're trying to drive like innovation in a category, it's much easier to do it with a small business first approach. If you go straight to mid-market enterprise, they're going to basically dictate kind of pain points and you're going to address those, but those are known things. Um, so you're not actually causing any true innovation. You're maybe just kind of uh, making it slightly better in certain areas or whatnot. I also think that you know most everyone moves up market because it's it's can be scary uh, in terms of retention. It can be scary. Like you have to really care and authentically care and invest in a customer experience to try to retain your revenue. Um, that's difficult. But by the very fact that it's difficult, if you can operate there. Um, it's very defensible. So you look at time and time again, you know, how do people get displaced uh, as a company? It's typically they move up market, they, they focus in on these known things, and then all of a sudden an innovator comes along, oftentimes from below uh, or under them in the market, uh, and causes some form of displacement or disruption. Um, our, our approach is we're going to stay definitively focused small business first. We're already putting pressure on mid-market and enterprise. They're coming to us. That's fine, but we're not going to cater to them because once we start doing that, then we're just moving up and we're going to leave that uh, opening. In addition to um, there's so many small businesses, so many like wonderful stories um, and whatnot in which we can uh, help them grow. There are a host of other unusual things that Active Campaign uh, does. One thing is you offer free services a number of places that most vendors uh, would not. Why, why do you do that, and um, how do you justify it? Yeah, so it's really uh, I see it as a way of like understanding what we should develop next, right? So I think one of our most important like unscalable um, resources within a company would be actually people instead of like growth hacks and whatnot. Um, so we've done that a number of times, whether it be like helping people migrate, helping people integrate and whatnot. 
And it's always with the mindset of like, we're not trying to create a services based organization, but by them focusing on that, we get an understanding of what people are trying to do. We get an understanding of what we should build. And it's like a never ending thing as well. Um, we do something similar with our customer success team. Some people think of them as, you know, it's a, it's a retention tool within an organization. Other, other philosophies are it's an upsell piece of an organization. Um, I see it as, you know, yes, there's retention to it. Also, they're helping aid as we try to get more intelligent about telling small businesses what they should do as they start using the platform. So everything kind of flows back to product and back to the platform and where we're going with it. Um, so it really just kind of supplements that. So with that, like, I can't attribute, uh, you know, dollars to a lot of things. So there takes a certain level of trust that this works, uh, which means you have to have trust on the outside and you, you should probably have the right investors and whatnot too. Because <laughs> otherwise they'll just look at that category of spend and say, why are you doing that? Um, but for us, it's been, I'd say, a critical part of, of how we've grown. We mentioned at the beginning of the show, you'll be joining us in uh, Dublin to speak at uh, SASDOC 19 this October. Have you um, uh, arranged or decided on, on what you're going to be speaking about already? Is there something you can share? Um, I think that's still being formulated a little bit, um, but I think it's probably going to dig a little bit deeper into some of the some of the things we're hinting at here, because uh, there's a lot to talk about and a lot of actionable takeaways from it all. So I'm excited to uh, share more. Awesome. Well, I, I think there's going to be, uh, or certainly know, there's going to be a lot of uh, founders and, and their teams that would be interested to hear about your, your rapid growth and the, and the ways that you've achieved that. So looking forward to, to hearing that talk uh, at SASDOC19 uh, in, in Dublin and looking forward to meeting in person. Uh, the, the, the final question, we, we always ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane on their, their SAS journey. So what is your way? Oh, that's a uh, that's a whole talk in itself. Um, uh, I, I think the the biggest thing is um, just having an understanding and, and watching out uh, for yourself and your team along the way. The entire thing is a roller coaster for your team as it is yourself. Um, we could have arguably grown much faster in the last couple of years, um, and we chose to say take a little bit more of a measured approach um, because we thought that was the right thing. Um, but I think it's a, just like you're constantly thinking about growth, you have to be constantly thinking about that topic. And I think that's, that's a topic that doesn't get enough attention, um, all too often. Um, but we all need to, uh, think about it with more intention over time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's something where, um, you, you know, covering uh, a lot and talking about a lot at SAS stock, as yeah, we, we know, like, you know, fa- fundamental health, but also the team sort of mental health and well-being is, is super important because it's uh, it's very difficult in uh, in any startup business, um, you, you know, uh, to to kind of deal with the the, the mental and health uh, sort of well-being. So um, um, so yeah, very important uh, for us. But uh, Jason, been great having you on the the podcast uh, today. Thank you so much for for sharing and giving some insights. Uh, and, and obviously we. We look forward to hearing more uh, at Sastock in Dublin this October. Sounds good. Look forward to uh, meeting you then. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution show and you're inspired to break some rules. Thanks for listening. See you next time.